Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, we'll go over the roster moves that the Raiders made on Tuesday, plus Trayvon Mullen, that trade that the Raiders made with Arizona Cardinals. It is finalized. I'll give you the details on that. You'll hear my conversation I had with A.J. Cole from Tuesday as he was at a, an event. I'll tell you about the event, plus you'll hear that conversation. Your calls and texts will close out the show. It's all coming up on Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, December 14th, 2022. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Just win. The autumn win is a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the Locked On Raider podcast free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. My man Ari's got us pushing, man. We're going for 3,000 subscriptions. We're not there yet. Got a long way to go, but we're trying to get to 3,000 subscriptions. So uh, thank you for everyone who's uh, chimed in and helped out with the YouTube. And of course, of course, my guy Ari at Ari Produces on Twitter. Been doing a fantastic job. Today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast is brought to you by betonline.net they got you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before betonline.net that is where the game starts let's go ahead and jump right into it Raider Nation want to get into some roster moves that the Raiders made and I think you're going to see a lot more of this throughout the course of the last four games of the season some guys coming in some guys going out just some moving and shaking as they continue to try to build that roster and put it into the shape and form of what Dave Ziegler the GM Champ Kelly the assistant GM of course head coach Josh McDaniels what they're looking for. So let's go ahead and go over some of the roster moves. On Tuesday, the Raiders signed free agent guard Natani Mutai. Uh, he's an offensive lineman from the Denver Broncos practice squad. Mutai is a six foot three, 315 pound offensive lineman, his third season in the NFL. He was selected by the Broncos in round six, the number 181 overall, the 2020 NFL draft. He's played in 19 career games with four career starts. Also, in a corresponding move, the Raiders had to place linebacker Jayon Brown on the reserve injured list. So uh, his season is over with the silver and black, and his career with the silver and black may be over as well as he was a guy that the Raiders signed in the offseason as a one-year deal free agent, right, from the Tennessee Titans. He was a guy that I thought was going to be able to defend uh, the likes of Travis Kelsey or any other tight end in the AFC West. I thought he was going to be able to provide a big addition to that Raiders defense, but he just was never healthy was never able to get on the field consistently. And then he got hurt, not in this last game against the Rams, but the game before that uh, at home, he got injured. And so just not able to uh, get it done. And it's unfortunate, uh, not able to go enough. The best ability is availability. And unfortunately for Jayon Brown, was not available enough. So he's been placed on IR and he's going to be done for the 2022 season and potentially for his Raider career. Also, and I'm going to mess these guys' names up, or at least this one's name up, uh, the Raiders signed free agent linebacker Kanal Maga, I believe that's his name, and guard Willie Wright to the practice squad. So those guys are on the practice squad now. Uh, Mutai, the offensive lineman, he's been added to the, um, the active roster. He was on the Denver Broncos practice squad, and Jayon Brown has been put on reserve injured list. As far as the Trayvon Mullen trade goes, he was a guy that the Raiders traded to the Arizona Cardinals right before the season started. Matter of fact, when the 53-man roster came out, he was a guy that was going to be put on the Raiders' IR list. He wasn't going to play at all in 2022 for the Silver and Black. He was a guy that was dealing with a toe injury. He had surgery in the offseason. Uh, he was a guy that was a former second-round pick and a guy that I liked. But I know for a fact he was going to be on IR and he was not going to play. The Raiders were not going to play him at all 
in 2022. So it looked like his career with the Silver and Black was going to be over. And then right there at the last minute, the 11th hour, uh, Dave Ziegler, the GM, was able to find a trade partner in the Arizona Cardinals. And I know a lot of Raider Nation got mad thinking, well, if the Cardinals would trade for him, why wouldn't the Raiders keep him for at least depth? Because they don't have enough bodies. They don't have enough guys. And when he's out there and healthy, he's actually a good player. Well, he didn't do a whole lot of anything for the Arizona Cardinals. And on Tuesday, they actually waived him. He played 42 snaps on Monday Night Football against the Patriots. And that was the most he had played all season for the Cardinals. So uh, the trade that the Raiders ended up making, if he had played in two more games, the trade would have been Trayvon Mullen for a sixth-round pick. Instead, since he didn't play those two games, the Raiders get in return a seventh-round pick. So that's done deal records now. The Raiders will get a seventh-round pick in return for Trayvon Mullen, who, remember, was a former second-round pick. But, again, he's a guy that wasn't going to play at all in 2022 for the Raiders. Uh, They end up moving on from him. They trade him. They get something out of him uh, than they were more than they were going to get instead of just letting him walk in free agency. Now, uh, he could have walked in free agency, and they end up getting a compensatory pick for him, depending on what they do in free agency. But they decided to go ahead and trade him, and they got a seventh-round pick in return. So uh, that's the latest and the greatest when it comes to Trayvon Mullen and his trade. As far as uh, offensive coordinator uh, Mick Lombardi and defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, they were supposed to meet with the media on Tuesday. They did not do that. At first, it got pushed back to a certain time. It was supposed to be at about 11.30. Then it got pushed back to about 11.45. Then it got pushed back to about 12.15. Then all of a sudden, we got the notice that, okay, we're going to push it back to later in the week. So I'm not too sure what went into that. Maybe that's some of the roster moves that I was talking about earlier in the show. Maybe that's the reason why they did that, but I wasn't too sure. So later on this week, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham and offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi will meet with the media later on today. Head coach Josh McDaniels will meet with us, so we'll get to ask him about uh, injuries like Alex Bars. We'll get to ask about Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Are they going to activate those guys? Are they going to be available for Sunday to play? Uh, All indications, at least what's been told to me, seems like that they're going to be available, and this is just me and Vinny Bonsignor just talking back and forth, and he put out the piece on the RJ thinking that, uh, you know, Waller and Renfro were going to be able to return on Sunday. That would be a welcome addition as far as I'm concerned. It's a big game against the Patriots. You know that the Raiders are going to want to win that game, and of course, Raider Nation wants to see the Raiders win more games than just the five that they won so much so far. So it'd be good to see Waller and Renfro out there. We'll see, but we'll ask head coach Josh McDaniels all those questions and then some later on today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And also on Tuesdays, me and JT the Brick and Lincoln Kennedy always record the Raider Roundtable. It's on the Raiders YouTube page. It's also in podcast form. Lincoln Kennedy did not join us on Tuesday. He wasn't available, so it was just basically me and JT throughout the course of the show. So uh, if you're checking out some more Raider content, I always encourage everyone to check out all the Raider content out there. There's always some great stuff. Uh, myself and Lincoln, uh, myself and JT the Brick, excuse me, we did the Raider Roundtable on Tuesday. Again, it's available on the Raiders YouTube page and, of course, the podcast in podcast form. That's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Kind of news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, A.J. Cole, Raiders punter. Uh, he had an event going on on uh, Tuesday at Liberty High School uh, in Henderson. I'll tell you about the event. I'll tell you why he was out there. He's also the nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And you'll hear the conversation I had with A.J. That's coming up in segment number two. We'll get to that after. We talked to you about a couple great sponsors here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. And the first one is LinkedIn Jobs. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. All you got to do is create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Right now, LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I also want to tell you about a new podcast series coming to Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find a sneak peek of Think Like a Champion available right now as a bonus episode on Locked On Presents. Think Like a Champion is a brand new podcast from Russell Wilson and Audible. He's a champion on the field, but off of it, we rarely know the grind on the path to greatness. So Russell Wilson and many others will do a deep dive, including Von Miller, Tim Tebow, and a lot more. They'll kind of let you know what it takes to be a champion again on the field and off the field. Each episode features interviews with Olympic medalists, NFL stars, and business leaders. Hosts will swap stories and share proven mental techniques that have gotten the world's most elite performers across the finish line and beyond. Available for free on Audible or wherever you get your podcast. Head over to Locked On Presents for a sneak peek of Think Like a Champion or catch the full series available anywhere you get your podcast. Available everywhere now. Audible. Get in the game. Your Locked On Raiders. Your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to let you hear the conversation I had with Raiders punter A.J. Cole on Tuesday out at Liberty High School in Henderson. And it was a really windy and cold day, but it was a really fun event going on. So I was glad that I was able to be a part of it. And I got a few minutes with A.J. Cole following the event. But I want to let you know, give you a little backstory on the event before you get into the conversation. So uh, on Tuesday, the Raiders, uh, they actually held a flag football game that involved Raiders alumni who were previous Silver and Black nominees for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And the team consisted of special education students from Liberty High School as well. So Raiders alum like Rock Cartwright, Oren O'Neill, Marcel Reese, Dan Williams, Sam Williams, and Usama Young uh, were all there in attendance to be a part of this flag football game. And of course, since A.J. Cole is the nominee for the Raiders for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Fans are encouraged to participate in Nationwide's Charity Challenge through January 8, 2023. So right now through January 8, 2023, a social media campaign which gives fans the opportunity to show support for Cole as a Silver and Black's Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee offers the Raider punter a chance to secure additional donations from Nationwide for Special Olympics of Nevada. Fans are encouraged to vote on Twitter by using hashtag WPMOYChallenge and A.J. Cole or hashtag WPMOY challenge and at AJ Cole 90 on Twitter. So a little bit of the backstory right there on in. And of course you want to see AJ Cole become the Walter Payton man of the year award. Uh, fans have a vote in that. So go ahead and use your right to vote. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation. Tuesday afternoon, Liberty High School in Henderson, myself and AJ Cole. Here at Raiders Funder, AJ Cole, we're here at Liberty High and just had a heck of an event, flag football, and you're representing Special Olympics as well, but off top, could you have brought the heat out here? It's a little chilly out here today. I know, it's freezing. I thought we were living in Las Vegas. <laughs> this feels like Colorado to me. Right, right. It's not supposed to be like this, but this, you, we're out here for a really good event, and uh, again, you've been representing Special Olympics for a very long time. What, what has Special Olympics meant to you? Yeah, it's 
meant a lot. I think that it's a really, um, I think it's a really awesome just organization. I think sports are so important to me and in my life, and I think everybody um, deserves the opportunity to play sports and to compete. And I think you learn a lot about yourself, uh, about life, um, going through competition and going through training and going through games. And so I think that what Special Olympics has done over the years, um, and I just know that the work that they do with their athletes, it means a lot to them. Um, it's really important to everybody that's involved. And so you know, any you know, anytime I have a chance to work with them, I, I jump on it and take the opportunity. So it's an organization that I'm really passionate about and I've found a lot of um, just great people um, along the way that, that work there so um, I'm really passionate about the work that they do and I'm excited that we get to you know put on this uh, event for them. There was a lot of kids from Liberty out here watching you and watching this whole event but when you get to take a step back and actually watch them what does that mean? How does that feel? Watch you saying watch 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 the kids out there playing, you know, because they're watching you as a Raider player, but you're at the same time sitting back watching them go out and participate and have a good time. Yeah, it's kind of cool to, to get to flip the script, and I think that um, anytime you can kind of just sit back and watch watch what what they're doing, I think it's really fun, and you get to see the joy that they play with, and you just get to see the excitement on their face when they make a play, or um, you know, all that. It, it really is uh, very fulfilling to to watch, and I think it's you know, I was really excited that I was able to come out here. Just spend that time with them today. Now you're representing the, the the Raiders as the Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, nominee, and there's also other nominees with you. What did that mean to you? Yeah, it meant a lot. I think the um, Raiders uh, hats off to them for bringing those alumni back. Um, we got to have dinner last night, break bread a little bit, and just talk a little bit about their experiences with the team and with uh, Walter Payton in the past, the organization that they supported, the community work that they did, um, and so that was really fun just to kind of hear. Um, how the NFL is different, how it's the same, and how um, getting into the community and giving back to the people in, in the area that you're playing in is really important. Um, and so it was a great opportunity just to get to know them. They're some awesome men, and so just getting to learn from them and, and talk with them and get to know them was really, really a fun experience, and I was glad they were able to make it to the game today. You're all, you've always been a Raider, but uh, I'm sure when you get to have those conversations with former Raider alumni that may have played on other teams, do they ever tell you and say how much this Raider organization takes care of the former players? Yeah, I mean, I think what we do with the alumni is it's completely unparalleled. I don't think there's another organization that takes care of their former players like we do. Um, they're at so many events. I mean, I've gotten to know so many former players just over the years because they're always coming back to games, to practices, stuff like that. So I think that's really big. I mean, the the phrase, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider, that's not just a phrase. That's really the way that um, our team and our owner really goes about everything. So I'm, I'm super appreciative of that. It's kind of fun, too, because, you know, I, I got to play in Oakland. So I was in the same facility as they were, so we got to talk about the facility. And there's plenty of people, you know, not just coaches, but there's plenty of staff members that were there for both of us. So we know the same athletic trainers. We know the same, you know, some some different staff members and guys that have kind of been around. So we get to kind of talk about that as well. And a lot of stuff's different, but a lot of stuff's the same. You've had a phenomenal career, and you're having a heck of a season. i got to take you back to Thursday night. Did you think that ball was going out of bounds when you kicked it initially off your foot? Because I did. I ain't going to lie. I should never doubt you, but I... <laughs> I did. I shouldn't have, but I doubt it. Did you? What did you think when it went off your foot? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Sometimes when you're out there, it's just kind of a blur, and you don't know if it's going to go out of bounds or not. But then once you, once I was kind of seeing it roll the right direction, it's obviously really exciting. And um, you know, there's not much the returner can do once all the guys are around the ball there. So it just kind of get to sit back and watch it roll and just keep hope it keeps going. Really. What, what does that feel like though when you're seeing that roll and you realize, oh, that's a good one? <laughs> what is that? What is that kind of rush like? Uh, anytime you make a play on a football field, it's uh, it's a 
Uh, the reason the guys celebrate and the reason the guys play with so much passion is because we put so much into this. I mean, you know, the work that we do on in the off season, week to week basis, and just the work that everybody puts in, um, and it's a team effort. There's no individual play. Like the ball ends up where it ends up, but there's a snap that goes into it. There's protection. Yeah. There's coverage and all that stuff. So it's a team play. And I know the ten guys that I'm out there on the field with. I know what they put into it. And, they know what I put into it, and it means a lot to us. We really care about winning and losing. We care about making big plays. So anytime you have a chance to make a play that can you know, impact winning or losing, it's an emotional thing because there's just so much time that's put into right. that. There's so much work that's put into that. So that's why it's something that you know that you want to celebrate and enjoy and um, you know take the good with the bad and just keep playing. So there was my conversation with Raiders punter A.J. Cole right there, and here I talked about that punt at the end of the game on Thursday night against the Rams. And just like I told him, I thought that ball was going out of bounds. It ended up falling. It just was like perfect. It, it fell out of the sky, hit the ground, and man, what a great roll and rolled all the way back uh, to the goal line. And so it was great place. Didn't think that the Rams had a chance to go 98 yards. Clearly the Raiders didn't either. We all know how it shook out. Not trying to bring up old memories, but uh, man, what a fantastic job by A.J. Cole just to place that ball where he, you know, where it needed to be, and and then the results that uh, you know that came from it. And of course, uh, he's a hell of a punter for that reason and that reason alone, right? I mean, he's been doing it for a, quite a while for the silver and black. Again, if you want to get your vote on, the fans are encouraged to participate in Nationwide's Charity Challenge now through January 8th, 2023. Social media campaign will give the fans the opportunity to show support for Cole as a silver and black's Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee and offers the Raiders punter a chance to secure additional donations from Nationwide for Special Olympics of Nevada. In that piece that you heard with, with AJ, clearly Special Olympics of Nevada is a big deal. Special Olympics in general is a real big deal for AJ Cole. So again, fans are encouraged to vote on Twitter by using hashtag WPMOYChallenge and AJ Cole or hashtag WPMOYChallenge and at AJ Cole 90 on Twitter. That's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, my conversation with AJ Cole. Coming up next, going to close out the show with your calls and texts throughout that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before we get to it, though, I do want to tell you about the title sponsor of this show, BetOnline.net, your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football, college bowl season, basketball, World Cup, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those as well at BetOnline.net. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information on. Head to the website today on your laptop or your mobile device to learn about more. BetOnline.net, that is where the game starts. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. It's segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start off with a text today from Retired Navy Raider. He says, Q, Retired Navy Raider here. I hope over the last few games of the season, Joshua Daniels can figure out how to grow a pair. He's not tough enough on his players, and because of that, instead of laying down the law and leaving it all on the field, he treats them like they are all there to play and stroke each other's egos. It's Josh McDaniel's team, but it's looked like all season like the players are running the asylum. That's retired Navy Raider. And I don't know if that's 100% accurate. I understand what you're saying, and that's the kind of guy I am. I like to see guys and coaches fired up and letting the players know that's, that's the kind of – 
you know, coach I like to see. That's what made me excited about Gruden coming back the second time. I thought that that's what we were going to see from him. But you really didn't. Every once in a while you did, but you didn't really see that that fire very often. You know, I know Josh McDaniels was really angry when that artillery uh, penalty happened at the end of Thursday's game. You saw him get fired up screaming at the officials. That was great, and he really doesn't do that very often. I don't really know if that style of coaching works really well anymore. Right. I mean, I just I really don't know if, you know, climbing a player's tree is going to really get him where he needs to go, because these are grown men. These are professionals. These are guys that actually carry as much weight, if not more, in the organization than the coaches. So I think that I don't know if that style actually works anymore. Again, I mean, I'm 46. I could appreciate that style. That's that's the kind of coach I'd want to be coached by. But I just don't think that that's what it is anymore, if that makes sense. But thank you for that text. I do appreciate you. Up next, got a call from Nick in the barbershop right here in Las Vegas. He's calling to talk about the Raiders' offense when it comes to Derek Carr and head coach Joshua Daniels and really trying to understand the offense a little bit more. Here he is, Nick in the barbershop. What up, Q? Nick from the barbershop. Just been listening a couple weeks, uh, kind of observing, and obviously that Rams game was <laughs> it was something. Uh, my question that I'm kind of been thinking about you know, after listening to the press conferences and everything, uh, you know, McDaniels sitting there saying that he called the game just like every other one. Carr, when he previously would talk about uh, routes and everything, getting the ball to Devontae, he's saying that, you know, certain he has to get the ball to certain places, certain sides of the field. Uh, my question is, how much control do you think Derek really has of the line? Is it control? Is it lack of knowledge of the playbook? Or what's going on? Because it kind of seems like Josh, the way Josh is explaining it, is he's calling the plays and either they're getting killed and checked out into running plays or cars just having to scramble, not pushing the ball down the field. Uh, just trying to really figure out who's really running this offense. Is it Josh? Is it Derek? I know uh, Derek seemed to have more success with Gruden's system, which he really understood, was able to audible out, switch plays at the line of scrimmage uh, and whatnot previously. Um, so is it just the complexity of the offense? Uh, you know, I'm not too sure. The other thing that I was kind of wondering about, um, kind of seems like I'm not sure what the type of system, you know, I apologize, I'm not quite as familiar with McDaniel's system, um, but is it a zone read offense type system where he's reading only half the field like they kind of did with uh, Cam Newton uh, back in uh, the Panthers days or uh, uh, his time in New England? Just because kind of a little bit, a little bit of the, what I've seen in uh, watching breakdowns is either stares down his first target or kind of uh, reads it, goes through one or two progressions, doesn't really move his eyes around too much around the field. I'm not quite as the offensive guru, don't really understand the X's and O's quite as much, but kind of something I noticed that they did with Cam Newton when he he was having difficulty reading the field. They just broke it down pre-snap. They would look look at the field depending on where the coverage was lined up. Essentially, they would cut the field in half. Nick, thanks so much for the call, my man. I appreciate you, and I look forward to checking you out at the barbershop sooner rather than later. I always run into you every couple of weeks there at In the Cut right there in Henderson. So uh, as far as the offense goes and Derek Carr control at the line of scrimmage, he's got a couple of plays to choose from, right? I mean, he's always had a couple choose cha- plays to choose from based off reading the defense. Now, I'll say this, and this is just my gut feeling, I don't think he has a great understanding of the offense yet. And why I say that is if you go back and look, every time he has a new head coach or offensive coordinator or a new system in general, that first year is never that good. It really isn't. I mean, you look at those numbers, they're never that great. That's why it was good with Gruden's system because he was there for so long that Derek knew it like the back of his hand. So even when Gruden wasn't there and it was Greg Olson and Rich Passaccia calling it, Derek knew everything. 
I mean, he knew that offense like the back of his head because he was in it the longest. So I think that, you know, this year is his growing phase, and then next year we'll see what he really has. I don't know if he's going to have as long as he had in Gruden's system. I really don't think he will if he doesn't pick it up better than he has so far this year. He's had moments where he's been really good, but we haven't seen that Derek Carr, like, just wow game yet, right? Just haven't seen that yet. I'm still waiting to see that. Maybe we'll see it over the course of the next four weeks. Who knows? But we haven't seen it yet, and that kind of lends me to believe that he's not 100% comfortable with the offense. It's not Cam Newton can't read the defense type offense yet, right? I mean, you know, it's not that 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 level, but it's just not 100% as comfortable as he needs to be. But thank you so much for that call, my man. It's always good to hear from you. Next up, I got a text from Omar in El Paso, and I just got a couple more. He says, AQ, it's Omar from El Paso. This last game was soul-crushing. With our playoff chances now being under 10%, I'm already thinking of next year. I've never coached or managed a football team, but I've won a bunch of Super Bowls on Madden, so I know what I'm talking about. What do you think about trading Waller and Renfro to to then re-sign Hollins, Jacobs, and maybe too soon Tillery? Waller seems like he is about as interested in playing football as much as McDaniel. McDaniels and Graham are interested in being decent and successful in it. Renfro seems like he'll be hindered in his unique route running with little leeway or support from McDaniel's system. Unless Carr and Jones are willing to restructure, I'm okay with dropping them. But I'm worried because it sounds like Adams will ask for a trade if that happens, right? Finally, I fangirled meeting Marcel Reese at the Jaguar game. How in the world do you keep your cool literally on the daily at work? Was there any Raider you had to dial back to fangirl? Thanks, Q. Just win four more, baby. That's from Omar in El Paso. Thanks so much for the text. And yeah, I don't think that... Uh, trading Waller and Renfro to re-sign Hollins and Jacobs makes a whole lot of sense. I, I think Hollins won't be very difficult to re-sign if that's what the Raiders choose to do. Jacobs is the big question. I think going into the offseason, the Raiders draft a bunch of uh, defensive guys and spend their their free agency money there. Yeah, that, that, that capital, I feel like they spend that on Jacobs and some offensive line help, right? You could always bring guys on a one-year deal like a Mac Hollins back. I don't think that would be very difficult. So um, Tillery, is, I think the jury's still out. I think he's a good player, but he's got to show some discipline. And so far, he hasn't really shown a whole lot of discipline when he was with the Chargers or so far with the Raiders, even though he's had moments where he's been a really good player. As far as kind of fanning out when you meet somebody, not really. But, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, right? So it's it's always great to be around these guys, and it's great to talk to them and interview them and you know, see Mark Davis walking around the building sometimes and I get to, you know, say what's up or whatever. I, I think that that's cool, but I don't really, I, I've never really done that. Even when I was doing radio and, and like hip hop, uh, it was never really anybody that I just like wowed off of, right? I mean, even hanging out with Charles Woodson, I say hanging out loosely like me and him were just buddy, buddy. But I mean, even at, you know, Cliff Branch's uh, Hall of Fame party in Canton, Ohio, and, and Charles Woodson was there and I got to talk to him for a few minutes, take a picture with him. It was cool, but it was never like, oh my God, that's Charles Woodson, right? I mean, it just, I don't know. It just never was that for me, right? I mean, at the end of the day, man, these guys, they put their pants on the same way we do, right? So I, I don't really, I don't really get too, I get more overwhelmed by what I get to do on the daily than being, a, you know, the people that I'm around. I mean, it's more of a pinch me moment to know that on Sundays, my job, my workplace is Allegiant Stadium, or I get to do a radio show from Allegiant Stadium, or, you know, stuff like that is more of a pinch me moment than, the people that I meet, if that makes any sense. But thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Got time for one more call. We'll take it from Johnny Raider. He's calling to talk about the bashing of Derek Carr, his words, not mine, on that interception he threw before halftime. Here he is, Johnny Raider. Hey, Q, what up? It's Johnny Raider from the 717. Hey, just wanted to talk to you about this uh, bashing of Derek Carr lately with that interception uh, in the red zone, which was terrible, of course. But, I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a – 
huge car guy. You know, I love car, but he's not, you know, I'm not one of those stands that they talk about. But just to be fair, um, I think that, uh, well, I know he was hit by his own lineman. And there's a Dylan Parham, if you, if you watch, um, Derek tries to roll out to the right and Dylan gets blown up and his shoulder hits Derek Carr right as he's about to release. And I mean, it's very obvious to see. So to blame Derek for throwing that interception is, it's kind of terrible. I mean, because you, what, what can you do once you're winding up, you know? Anyway, I just want to let you know how I felt about that. Uh, good show. Last couple of days, man, keeping us in there through the hard times. Appreciate you, brother. Have a good one. Raider Johnny out. And thank you, Johnny, for that call. I appreciate you. And I don't really think anyone's bashing Derek. And I know Peter King had some pretty harsh words to say about it, but ultimately, and there were circumstances that went into that play. I'm not trying to say it was just Derek just threw it up for grabs, but the way that he let it go, and I know he got bumped, I get it, but in that situation, again, you can't let that ball go, and you can't put it in harm's way like that. You just can't. And I know someone's going to tell me, oh, well, he got bumped, and you didn't see the all-22. No, I did. I understand that. But even head coach Josh McDaniels alluded to it when he said that there was, uh, there was a guy that was open, and he was talking about Devontae Adams earlier before he ever got bumped, and he didn't see him. He just never saw him. Mac Hollins was open slightly for a second, but then that closed really quickly, and there was three guys around him. So I'd rather him go to Der- uh, to Devontae Adams and take a shot than throw it to Mac Hollins that could be potentially covered by three guys, or they can get to Mac Hollins quicker. That's what really the point is, and you've got to score some points in that situation. You can't turn the ball over down there in the red zone. I mean that. I mean for anyone who says, "Well, you don't know football," that's fine. And anyone who knows football knows the golden rule is. You throw the ball, if it's thrown into the end zone, it's got to be your guy or nobody. And that wasn't the situation. It was just floated up there, and it was in harm's way. And, yes, there were circumstances that went into it, but you just can't take that chance. But thank you so much, Johnny. I do appreciate you. And, again, I never try to come to the show and and bash Derek Carr. I think that that's old. I think that that's uh, low-hanging fruit. That's easy to do. I think we could do it every show if we really wanted to. I don't, I don't do that. I try to talk about every element of the game that I possibly can. So thank you so much for that. Coming up tomorrow, we'll be talking to Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots. It is crossover Thursday. So, of course, we'll be talking about storylines. We'll be talking about matchups, and we'll talk about game flow, how the game could be won or lost by the Patriots or the Raiders week 15 at Allegiant Stadium. So that'll come up on tomorrow's show. We'll have a lot more as well. News and notes of the day. Plenty to get to as we close out the week really strong, Raider Nation. So until then, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Love on your family. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.